Hello and welcome everyone to India Colonized, a podcast where we unravel our colonial roots through stories and legends. Our podcast covers for you the most untraversed fields of our past that constantly shapes our present. I'm your host, Umar Haq, and today we have with us a special guest, a co-host, and let me introduce you to Ms. Hurain Khan. Hello everyone, I'm Hurain Khan, and I'm your co-host for today's episode. So let's delve in and dive into our discussion for today, which is about the Khilafat movement. So Umar, could you tell us or give us a brief background on what the term Khilafat means? So the word Khilafat comes from the word Khalifa, which in Arabic means successor. This term is specifically used to describe the religious and political leader of the Muslims. The brief history of origins of this office or position is when the Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, died, he left behind him a sense of vacuum, um, both spiritually and politically among the Muslim nation, which is also called as the Ummah. His closest friend and ally, Abu Bakr, was selected and he was selected to succeed him and he was called as the Khalifa. And the term Khalifa literally means a successor and Khilafat means succession. So in, in, in such sense, uh, the successor of the Khalifa was basically anyone who was carrying on the legacy of the Prophet himself, who was the most central figure to the religion of Islam. And so the Khalifa too remains to be a very central figure, uh, both religiously and politically to Muslims all around the world. The Khilafat, or the office of the Khalifa that is, uh, however, remained within the family of the Prophet for nearly 300 years after his death. Um, not immediate family, but his clansmen and his tribesmen, uh, that is. And it was later on taken and used by many Muslim rulers who uh, to derive a sense of legitimacy for their rule on the basis of religious ground, used the title of a Khalifa or a Caliph. Many Muslim rulers who were not members of the Prophet's family, let alone Arabs themselves, uh, also claimed to be spiritual successors to the Prophet. However, um, the, there has not been any sense of stipulation uh, that a non-Arab cannot become a Khalifa uh, of the Muslim community. Right. So eventually, when the Ottoman Empire rose as a very formidable power in the Muslim world, uh, they began to seek glory in the term or the office of the caliphate and uh, began to claim themselves to be a khalifa. Um, they claimed themselves to be spiritual, religious and political rulers of Muslims all around the world. And this shouldn't come as a surprise because Muslim rulers uh, time and time again uh, throughout the Islamic history have claimed uh, the title again and again over the period of time, even Mughals in India and Akbar the Great included, claim to be the leaders of the Muslims around all the world. Uh, but another symbol of legitimacy that a ruler derives in, in the Muslim world is holding or uh, having the possession of the two holy sites. This is basically, the term is basically used as the custodian of the two holy sites and being a custodian of the two sites in Mecca and Medina in the holy cities of Islam uh, gives a sense of immense legitimacy to any political rule 
uh, among the Muslim world. So, to to summarize, Khilafat or the Caliphate uh, in this context that we are going to talk in in the context of Khilafat movement here is trying to define the Ottoman Sultanate or the Ottoman Caliphate that claimed to be uh, not just the ruler of the uh, land that they were uh, holding, the territory or the people in their own territory, but uh, Muslims all across the world. So you just briefed us on what the term Khilafat means and how it was passed on from the Arabs to the Turks. Um, what does the Khilafat actually have to do with India? Well, Muslims in India, or rather in British India, constituted the largest Muslim community anywhere across the globe in, in the 18th and the 19th century, um, before uh, India was divided, that is. So Indian Muslims were one of the most prominent part of the Muslim world, and they revered the Ottomans heavily, even, uh, even more so after the collapse of the Mughal Empire. And uh, uh, the Ottomans for them, the Indian Muslims remain to be the only powerful standing Muslim leaders uh, of the Islamic world. And that they sought refuge uh, in the idea that the Ottoman Empire was there for them to raise their uh, raise a voice for them and to stand up for Muslims, especially those under foreign colonial rule or European colonial rule, uh, under quote-unquote and federal rule. Right. So uh, what gave rise to the Khilafat movement was especially when the Indian Muslims learned that their loyalties for the First World War were purchased by telling them that they would be very generous when they were dealing with the Ottoman Empire because they were obviously on the other side of, of the war. Uh, they told them that they would be generous in their dealings with the Ottoman Empire and that they would not harm it too much. Because obviously a lot of population that went to war from British India, one of the largest contributing troops to the British Empire during the World War were Muslims themselves. Uh, Muslims from different parts of the world, but mostly Muslims from India, uh, United India. So the assurances of... Uh, the generous treatment of the Ottoman Empire was never intended to be kept by the Britishers. And this naturally upset the Muslims across all territories and more so in India, especially when they realized that uh, the, uh, the Britishers were beginning to strip the Ottoman Empire of its territories and that they were taking the control of the sites uh, the holy sites of Islam, the lands of uh, Mecca and Medina, which, uh, as anyone could imagine, naturally infuriated uh, the Muslims. While it actually was uh, the duty of the Khalifa to protect these lands. So, yeah, this this is how Indian Muslims felt themselves at the center of the cause for retaining uh, the Khilafat. Obviously, these had religious uh, motives and motives of the sense of uh, overwhelming, arching sense of community that uh, exists in the Muslim world. So, yeah. Um, so now for the big question, what was the movement actually about? And who was or who were the pioneers or the masterminds behind the movement? Well, the movement was initially started by uh, Muhammad Ali. He was an Oxford-educated Muslim journalist along with his uh, brother, Maulana Shaukat Ali. Uh, these two brothers were uh, 
sort of the poster boys for the movement along with a couple of uh, prominent muslim leaders of south asia like dr mukhtar ansari barrister jan mohammed maulana azad and dr hakim ajmal uh, all of these people came together and they founded what was known as the all india khilafat committee which was based in lucknow um the aim of the community was to influence muslim muslims across the subcontinent to protect uh the caliphate for uh, the indian muslims to basically unite and fight for the cause of the caliphate and it was in the 1920 when they published their khilafat manifesto in which they called on all the indian muslims to unite and come together and hold the british uh, empire responsible and accountable for what was happening in their in in the unfair treatment towards the ottoman empire um major major support to the community came when mahatma gandhi mr gandhi proposed to work with them uh, on a non violent agitation in the non cooperation against the british uh the all india congress committee later on uh, reluctantly although many of its senior members were not very happy about the move made by gandhi uh, i mean uh, Gandhi at this point was relatively new to Indian politics and uh he barely understood or probably probably one could say that he had not completely understood the muslim psyche uh muslim political psyche in the subcontinent um so when he basically uh, gave his support to the khilafat movement the congress was reluctant but eventually followed him uh when the non cooperation movement was started by gandhi through uh mind you it was started through the khilafat movement or the khilafat committee the congress came uh, the next month a month later to basically adopt the non cooperation movement and lead the non cooperation movement as its own uh so the reason one could say of gandhi's support uh and what were the outcomes of the support or what was the intention of gandhi supporting a movement which was fighting for a complete foreign power to uh, to sustain a common foreign power uh, seems absurd to a lot of people and it raises uh, quite an alarming amount of controversy even to this day uh, but yeah we can always discuss that in in a future episode where we can cover the non cooperation movement in detail uh and discuss about uh, what gandhi did and what were some of the repercussions of his actions when it came to the khilafat movement now i'm sure such a big movement involved a lot of events a lot of events that unfolded and how did the movement actually span out and was it also successful in its goal well the moment as you said uh, worked or it started in in the 1915 ever since uh, the british colonial war it came up until 1924 until the fall of the ottoman empire and and it worked with its fair amount of western turns uh, it started as a muslim only cause uh, fighting for the caliphate for the preservation of a quote unquote uh, muslim state uh, or a, or a muslim empire um but eventually it had gained support from hindus as well as gandhi and the congress stood behind the cause of the struggle uh but some of the few highlights that we can talk about when it comes to the khilafat movement 
is that in 1920, when the Muslim clergy, the ulama, uh, when they brought about a mass movement and strengthened the Muslim participation for the cause of Khilafat, there was a constant reiteration and sort constant reiteration on the glorious his what was seen as glorious history. of uh, the muslims the early islamic period in the history of the prophet uh, and his political uh, and religious movement so one of the incident that inspired uh, muslims in the subcontinent was that when prophet muhammad was being persecuted in mecca he chose to migrate to a city called the medina which later became his capital and he chose to flee persecution and to find refuge uh in in a place that where he went and established as as the state of islam or the city of islam became a center for uh, islam later on so this uh this major event in islamic history or in in the life of the prophet is referred to as the hijrat hijrat meaning migration so in the 1920 Uh, such a phenomenon uh, such reiteration or such events by the clergy got the muslims uh, uh, to abandon their homes and jobs and lives here in india and to migrate to a land of islam quote in quote tarul islam right so in in this context uh, muslims from india abandoned their uh, places in india and they came up to afghanistan somewhere around 18000 muslims mostly from united provinces that's uh, current day uttar pradesh migrated to afghanistan in 1920 to live in uh, what they believe to be darul islam right um so obviously there was an absence of foresight people did not see what was going to going to be the repercussion of such an action and many of these muslims ended up uh, returning back to india because they were not able to settle in these new found homelands that they had they were not able to find any livelihoods in these new homelands uh the ones that remained however were target to uh, uh violence that erupted in the region later on so another highlight or rather grim highlight of the khilafat movement was the rebellion that happened in malabar um after the visit of gandhi and the ali brothers when they took a tour of all india to gather masses for the cause of the non cooperation movement some muslim fanatics in the region of malabar rose in rebellion against uh, their landlords however it was not long before that the entire incident turned rebellious i mean communal and the incidents of immense barbarity and brutality against hindus uh, started coming out the narrative of rapes and torture murder in front of uh, family members basically brought a lot of distrust to uh, hindus across india but yeah we we shall cover that story some day in detail on a podcast as the story in recent time has also been shaded rather with utmost hate being channeled towards the muslim but uh, that that phase of khilafat movement or that particular incident um needs a discussion in its own um the movement however was as you asked whether it was able to make any progress or or did it help anything at all um as a matter of fact the movement made no difference whatsoever 
um was not able to make have any tangible success uh, on whatever goals that it had set to itself uh because the british simply did not want to budge to the demands of the indians or let alone any other muslim rising across the world in the cause of the caliphate especially after the treaty of servers the english had made it clear that uh, they had made it clear to the uh, indian khilafat leaders that there was nothing that could be done in the case of disembowelment of the turkish empire and that uh, nothing at all should be expected from the britishers uh, regarding uh, in in this regard the movement however remained divided uh, one of the major or the final blows that came to the movement or how the movement fell into dust was when mustafa kamal atatürk a popular turkish leader who was able to do dethrone the caliph and establish a responsible secular government of turkey uh it it was in a sense that if the people in turkey themselves or uh, did not want to retain the caliphate or they did not want to have uh, have an emperor or retain the empire and wanted to have a secular a uh, government a secular responsible government for themselves there was really nothing that uh, muslims in india could do no matter how passionately they cared about uh, the ottoman empire but yeah this this was how the uh, movement spanned out the movement had a lot of uh, brought about a lot of changes especially uh, when it came to bringing muslims together uh, bringing up mass agitation and its effect on the um its effect on uh, the non cooperation movement and so forth yeah so i'm sure these highlights that took place during the whole movement and the events that unfolded they did affect the politics of india in some way and how did the khilafat movement actually shape the politics of the subcontinent and especially of the muslims and could we also agree that it might have actually shaped the creation of pakistan in some way well absolutely the muslims of india had now come together um for the fight of the caliphate and this had given them a sense of identity and sense of unified identity and uh, this could be easily termed as religious nationalism so it, it's not too hard for someone to join the dots and realize that the rise of muslim nationalism in india eventually gave rise to the cause of independent muslim india and the creation of the state of pakistan it's quite clear if you see that something that would remain dormant since the time of the fall of the mughal empire uh the rise of uh, the pan islamic identity or the ideology uh basically gave rise to the cause for bringing up the state of pakistan um the entire movement or the entire agitation of the khilafat was based as i said on on a pan islamic ideology the muslims very strongly believe that all muslims across the world constitute a nation that they call the ummah and this ummah is a nationhood that reaches beyond uh, race geography region language uh, nationalism so on and so forth uh so the reiteration of the uh, concept of the ummah or the muslim nationhood was constantly asserted by muslim scholars and clergy 
and uh, they asserted that muslim unity should be maintained devoid of uh, space or time many regarded this uh, movement the khilafat movement as very indifferent to the cause of indian nationalism that indian nationalism had nothing to do uh, with the cause of uh, the khilafat or uh, the khilafat had nothing to do or the fight for khilafat had nothing to do with indian nationalism uh but however many argue that while indian muslims fought for the independence of india from the british even during the khilafat movement they fought strongly for what they believed to be uh foreign oppression they wanted india to be independent but what they envisioned as a resultant of this uh fight as a resultant of this movement might not have been the same thing as what the congress might have envisioned um while the people in the congress envisioned a united india of both hindus and muslims the definition of uh you know muslim struggle for independence might have changed from we will fight the british but we will establish after after the struggle we will establish a state uh for muslim indian muslims separately so there will be a separate muslim nation indian uh nation right so the you could say the goals were different but uh the goals were same but at the same time the result of the struggle or the outcome of the struggle was something that they wanted to uh you know something that was different than what the congress envisioned versus what the muslim were beginning to envision after the khilafat movement so as i said the rise of uh, pan islamic ideology and uh, the uh, reiteration of uh, muslim nationhood gave rise to this uh, idea or the notion of establishing a muslim india right so this is what might have at least what i believe might have led to the carving of a separate muslim uh, india independent from the british but also remaining independent from majoritarian politics of indian hindus um however proponents of the people who supported the khilafat movement from the congress uh talk about or argue that it was the khilafat movement that actually gave spark to the non cooperation movement which as everyone knows was a very major milestone in the history of indian national movement uh it also brought about a sense of unity between hindus and muslims uh mind you again the incident of malabar uh, actually it's very surprising that the incident of malabar did not bring around a huge commotion of riots uh, along with it after after it occurred and it is surprising and it is not a matter of uh, it's not a matter of just that such a huge incident uh, just went away without uh, any riots rising up or Uh, a lot of commotion coming up out of that um people in pakistan revere the ali brothers um they revere the ali brothers as the founders of pakistan they see them that they fought for the cause of uh, uh, tehreek e pakistan that is the movement for pakistan um but ali brothers themselves did not ever live till the notion of pakistan got popular um they however were uh they however were not satisfied with what gandhi did at the 
and when he pulled out from the non-cooperation movement after the Chauri Chaurai incident. And they were furious uh, or upset with the Congress and Gandhi. They thought that they were being uh, illusioned by the Congress and Gandhi while they were trying to say that they supported them, but at the same time they uh, broke the non-cooperation movement right when it was trying, you know, right when it was getting to achieve its goal or right when they were doing pretty good. So one can say that uh, one also needs to see that the Ali brothers, while they went and joined the Muslim League after the after the fall of Caliphate or the Khilafat movement, uh, many others of the Khilafat committee also came and joined Indian National Congress. And they believed, however, that an uh, in India should remain united with Hindus and Muslims together and the nation that they were fighting for, or they remained loyal to the uh, idea or the notion of a united uh, India with both Hindus and Muslim states uh, living together. And uh, you can observe that Maulana Azad and Dr. Ajmal, Hakim Ajmal remained to be loyal under the banner of Congress. They came and joined the Congress. Um, what we can observe is that the Khilafat movement in a lot of ways has influenced the narrative of Indian Muslim identity and the way we approach the idea of Hindu-Muslim unity in India. Uh, the movement was definitely a mass movement. It initiated uh, a sense of mass agitation among the Muslims, which gave rise to Muslim nationalism in India, which probably, as I said before, had remained dormant since the time of the Mughal Empire. But uh, it remains unfortunate that, you know, the kind of communal unity that we witnessed during the non-cooperation movement and the maintenance of communal unity, despite the incidents of Malabar, uh, which I said were no mean achievement, remains to be unseen several, deca several decades even uh, after these incidents, and uh, even to this day, where it is hard for us to achieve probably what we can call in, in the modern history of India, uh, the kind of unity that has not been seen even to this day. So that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you everyone for tuning in and we really, really hope you liked it. And if you did, please do listen to our other episodes that do cover a wide range of India's colonial past. And please do subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and family. Um, we're available on all podcast listening platforms and social media sites. And your support really helps us create more amazing content for you. Um, do visit our website www.indiacolonized.com that is colonized with an S to check out more of our work. We've um, compiled a list of books and sources too that might intrigue you to explore more on India's history. And do not forget to dive in and have a look. Until next time, stay safe, stay curious.